It's a Friday night. Hanging out with Black Abdallah here on ESPN 1000, the ESPN Chicago app. All calls welcome. Sponsored by Tito's Handmade Vodka. We said the song of the night, Abdallah. Usually, uh, you know, we check out the Twitch channel. How they fare with the song of the night, the Springsteen song of the night? Well, I can tell you this. They know that I didn't pick it. Well, to be to be honest, it was a, a group project today. It wasn't I didn't select it because of. It was that was what the date gave to us. And we've only done. That's what uh, it was. Sometimes that's what it is. We've only played two other Springsteen songs during Song of the Night and nothing off of that first album. Yeah, so there was a reason to play so, and we played it. Yeah, there was a reason to play well, it. Listen, not all Song of the Night selections are going to be good. Some no. are not great. Some of them are intentionally bad. Yeah, but some are fan favorites that people really enjoy. Mm-hmm. Like Cap texted us, that was the greatest Song of the Night he's ever heard in his life. Of course it, it was. Did. a very nice text message. He, he offered me uh, an invitation to, yeah. the, uh, to the next Springsteen show, too. So, so sometimes <laughs> some people really enjoy it. Yeah. I, I'm not a Springsteen guy. Uh, I don't wear my leather jacket or my my jean jacket around and and, and groove no. to uh, Springsteen. There's a di- so there's uh, like it's not my thing. As as the uh, self appointed music snob here at ESPN Chicago, I don't like Springsteen, but I respect Springsteen. I understand why people like him. Yes, I don't like it. I get the appeal. I I want. I do really want to see a Springsteen concert. Um. But, like, the prices are outrageous. So, like, I'm not paying to see him at Soldier Field or at Wrigley or whatever. Uh, so, like, I would like to see him. But I, I have great respect for his music and, and what he's accomplished and the fact that he's still going at 74. It's just not for me. We might as well do this. It's a Friday night. Um, <laughs> like, I understand why people like Springsteen. I don't understand why people like Dave Matthews' band. <sighs> like, people are really into Dave Matthews' okay. band. I don't get that. I get why people like Springsteen, even though I don't like that. So, See, like, I, I, yeah, respect. I can respect. I me, understand it. I don't mind. I don't listen. Again, I respect Dave Matthews as an artist. He's a very good musician. His band is very good. They're very good musicians as well. It's more of I don't like their, I don't like their fans. Their fans are super annoying. We grew up in a time and went to a high school that if you didn't like Dave Matthews' band, you might as well just walk off a long dock. Loser. Yeah. And I'm like, that's Look fine. Look at that Abdallah kid. What yeah. a loser. That's fine. I'll go listen to Slipknot and Corn. Leave me alone while I brood in the corner. That's fine. <laughs> your pants are so big, you fold them over your face. <laughs> just, I, you just I, crawl I put, into the pocket just, of your I of turn your into Jankos. one of those, uh, those roly-poly <laughs> things and just roll away into my Jenko pocket. <laughs> I, like, I wonder if other people have... If there's something out there where it's like, I can understand why it's popular, but I can't stand it because of the fans. Yeah. Like, to me, it's Dave. Well, is that current day? Like, are there people who don't like Taylor Swift because of the Swifties? Oh, I guarantee you there are. But I guarantee you there are. But like, are. who? I don't hear vocalized. Because like, now, everyone loves Taylor well, Swift. Well, everyone loves read, Taylor you, Swift culture. You got to read more music. Pu- you got to read more music publications and stay out of your Substacks every you, once in a while. Were you subscribing the Spin still? No. Uh, but I mean, I re- go to their website every once yeah, in a while. Yeah, exactly. I nailed it. Uh, but there is the there is. I literally read an article yesterday that was like, "Can we all just relax and just appreciate Taylor Swift for what she is and not like go nuts, go over nuts this year? Like, can twenty twenty four be the year that we don't go crazy for everything that Taylor Swift touches? I don't think we can handle it. 
I don't know. Well, so is there something like that? Something that is popular that you dislike because of the fans? Now, I see in the Twitch chat they're saying the Cubs. Yeah, that, that, but that, that's, that's, that's out what I compare like, it like to. Sport, sports fandom, there are fans who are obnoxious. Uh, you know, there, there's a team claimed uh, that they claim that they're America's team, but they never win anything. Uh, Jake Cantu's producing tonight's show. Jake, your thoughts on America's team that never wins anything ever? Yeah, there's just like those side of the fans that claim that they're diehard fans and are from Dallas. But I feel like it happens more with college too, right? Yeah. Like Duke fans. Oh, Duke fans are bad. But right. I, I like to think because I was, you know, born like in a hospital in Dallas that like I don't get that. Like, because you are, you are one of those fans. Though. Yeah, Jake, I was well, born the Cowboys, with a helmet on. Well, will the Cowboys win in your lifetime? I hope so. Because you, when were you born? Ninety nine. Yeah, so you missed the run in the early nineties yeah. that Abdallah and I got to experience no, when listen, the Cowboys were the best team in football. Jake was born with a pair of jean shorts. Jordan 12s and an Ezekiel Elliott jersey. Skip okay. Bayless hand-delivered me. <laughs> That's how he came out of the womb. That's what they put them in when they put them in the nursery. They put them in little jean shorts, some Jordans. A bad haircut. I, I picture Skip Bayless fade. wearing the mask, and he has the doctor's gown on. He's he's holding little Jakey Cantillo's I can, I can see, like, there are a lot of annoying Cowboy fans, so I do acknowledge that there are fans that I just block them out. Yeah, you, you nailed it with the Duke fans. Duke fans Duke for fans, college yeah. basketball are, are absolutely obnoxious. I would say, because there's one among us right now, select Kansas fans. <laughs> I hate Duke so much. Pottinger, you went to Kansas. Your team's annoying. <laughs> you guys created oh, basketball, it. didn't you? Danny oh. knows. Danny yeah. Zerman knows. Is that is that how we are? Like, do people yes. view KU yes. fans? As, yes. like, oh, yeah, but we're yes. not worse than Kentucky or Duke. You're not uh, worse than Kentucky. Like we're probably the You're most lovable Duke. blue blood. You're worse than Kentucky. You're not worse than Duke. Yes. Abdallah's really? right. Yeah. Kentucky's not bad. Kentucky's, Kentucky's fine. Oh, I hate Kentucky. Yeah. yeah. But that's like, but that's your rival. That's like a rivalry, though. We're saying as a fan base. Right. As a no, fan base. No, we're annoying. I, I know for See, sure. There you go. Own it. We are. We yeah. know you are. And because we deal with a lot of them, Syracuse. Oh, yeah. Well, that's different. That's that's media members. That's entitlement. <laughs> it's- <laughs> <laughs> you guys are being mean. Stop being so mean. That's Nick Friedel. Yeah, that, that's we're making Nick fun of Nick Friedel. Stop being mean. Cuse is in the house. <laughs> Nick, your team's not ranked. They're in the house. Shut, Shut up. In the house. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so what I was going to say to you, my yeah, team. What was your tease? Fourteen minutes ago, is that I was reading. No Brad, one remembers. I was reading you Brad Biggs. Was. I was reading Brad Biggs earlier this week in his uh, Ten Things About the Bears game after after the Bears game. Ah, right? yes. And he was making the case that there might necess- not necessarily be a playoffs or bust mentality up at Hallis Hall next year if they choose to continue to rebuild. That if they continued this rebuild and they're drafting, that as long as they're kind of where they are now, in but like play in the hunt for the playoffs at the end of the season, that that is still getting, pr- progressing towards 
the goal, right? Like if they end up with nine wins next year or 10 wins, but they still miss out on the playoffs, then it's not a make the playoffs or everyone is fired mentality. It is a let's continue to improve. Let's continue to build this team to add quality players that it's not necessarily that what Brian Poles and Kevin Warren will say that it's not necessarily that obviously they will say the goal is a Super Bowl every single year. However, it won't be playoffs or bust for Matt Eberflus and Justin Fields. Wow, that's surprising. If they come back, how can the playoffs not be the it's, absolute end goal? For of the course, team? it's a goal. I'm not saying it's not a goal. But it's not necessarily... But if you, if you don't make the playoffs next year and you bring everyone back, then it's a failed, failed season. Oh, I think it is, too. I'm telling you what I read, that it might, that no, no, might that, be... That's wild. That might be the philosophy I could get moving forward. New head coach, new quarterback philosophy is, let's just build this thing and let it marinate for a minute. But if you bring back Eberflus, Getze, yeah. Fields, mm-hmm. and you don't make the playoffs next year, that's a failure. Yeah. That's where you have to be next year. Mm-hmm. Wow, that, that's surprising. <laughs> Alan, on the northwest on the northwest side, you're on ESPN 1000. What's up, Alan? Hey, guys, what's up? Just real quick before I get into it, if social media was around for 50 years, you have no idea how annoying Debbie Gibson fans, Bon Jovi fans, or All Kiss right. fans would have been. Bon Jovi, that's a good one. <laughs> or Kiss fans. Kiss, Kiss fans would be annoying as heck on social media. So That's great. But that said... I want to comment to, I want to respond to all the wonderful Bears fans that I've heard on your radio station, but also on social media, that are saying that um, either A, that the Bears can trade down to number two and still get Marvin Harrison, or also say that uh, we can trade down to two and three, or we can still get Harrison with the trading. I want to just let you know exactly what I'm thinking. If I'm the, I want to role play with you, oh, and okay. you're going to be Ryan Poles, and I'm going to be the Washington GM, um, and I'm going to say, so you're going to offer me number two, and I'm going to say this real quick. Here's the deal. I'm the Washington GM. I have Sam Howell, who at the beginning of the season was 22 years old. Mm-hmm. It was his first year ever starting. We have Jahan Dotson, a first-round pick, and we also have Terry McLaurin, who's at the peak of his career, um, you want me to give you a haul to move up to number one? Worst case scenario, here's the thing. I'm either going to get Caleb Williams or going to get Marvin Harrison Jr. If you want to pit me against the Patriots, that's fine. Let the Patriots win. You can move to three. They'll take Caleb Williams at one. I'm the Washington GM. I'm going to take Marvin Harrison at two. Because that's it. I'm either going to get Caleb or I'm going to get Marvin Harrison. Because I'm going to give my 20 in his second year with Eric Bieniemy as his second year as an offensive coordinator. I'm going to give my 23 year old quarterback that I drafted last year a chance to see what he can do with Terry McLaren, Jahan Dotson, and Marvin Harrison Jr. If we think he's going to be the next Randy Moss, let me see what Sam Howell can do. Because at 22 years old when he started the season, he's on pace to throw for 4,000 yards. Let me see what he can do next year with Marvin Harrison Jr. And if that doesn't work out, that's fine. I'm willing to roll the dice and take that. So if I'm Washington, I'm standing still and I'm saying, you know what, Chicago, I'm not trading with you. If you want to trade with, if you want to pit me, if Ryan Poles, you want to pit me against New England and say, get us, get us battling, say, hey, that guy talked about your mama, and then go to that other guy and say, he talked about your mama and have us fighting in the playground, that ain't going to happen. If they're smart, and of course, Magic Johnson is part of that ownership group, so we know they're really smart. 
We're going to say, you know what, we're, gonna hit, we're not going to hit on 16. We're going to stay, and we're going to let the dealer bust. And worst-case scenario, we don't get Caleb like we want. We'll gladly take Marvin Harrison Jr., and then we have four months to trade him or just keep him and see what Sam Howell does. So why is everyone talking about it's so easy to trade to number two and Washington's going to love Caleb Williams because if I'm Washington's GM and I'm smart and I figure if there's a billionaire behind this, someone's going to be smart and say, you know what, why do we need to trade up to get Caleb Williams? What's wrong with just sitting with Howell for another year and him being a 23-year-old? And let's see what he does with Marvin Harrison and Jahan Dotson and Terry McLaren. Maybe we'll actually get up in the next three or four years into winning the division once Philadelphia Eagles' offensive line gets old and retires since they're all old, right? Let's have the patience game. Maybe we're underestimating the intelligence of the Washington Department of the new ownership and who they hire to be the GM. It's very easy to say that we can trade down to two and get Marvin Harrison if you live in Disney World in Orlando, but it's also very easy to be realistic and say Washington might be smart and say we're in a position where it's a win-win. We either get Caleb or Harrison, which is what the Bears should have done. We either get Darnell Wright or we get Jalen Carter. Don't settle for a fifth pick and trade him down one spot because, oh, that's all we can get. No, trade Jalen then hold him over the Eagles and say, hey, you know what? We just drafted Jalen. Now you got four months to make us, make us an offer, and guess what? instead of a fifth-round pick, and went down to a third-round pick. And I'm going to be waving him to all the other 31 teams in the league and have some cojones, Ryan Poles, and be able to know exactly what your value is. He undervalues the players he wants to get rid of, and he overvalues the player he wants to uh, obtain. He, he pays a 32nd overall pick for Claypool, but he gives up Roquan for a fifth-round pick. So that's his – if I'm Kevin Warren, I'm looking at uh, – I'm looking at uh, – I'm looking at uh, Ryan Poles, and I'm saying, this is your weakness. You overvalue the players that we want to get rid of, but you undervalue the players we want to get. That's your weakness. i got to hire a scout. i got to hire – you're Brad Pitt. i got to hire a Jonah Hill to shove with you to give you the numbers and say, hey, stop panicking. Take a deep breath. That's the one, that's the one flaw I see with Mr. Poles is that he – panics too much when it comes to trade situations and he makes the wrong decision because three, two, one, I gotta do something, I gotta do something, and then he makes the wrong I don't know what that was, but just to prove that that person exists still, yeah. No, hold on, the best part was Mitchell in the display. Mitchell, what did you think of that yeah. call, Mitchell? Uh, I thought he had some, uh, some uh, good points. I thought that he brought on a little of level of intensity mm-hmm. that somewhat mocks what I do, but look, Having said that, you've got to give him his individuality. He brought a lot of insight. He talked a lot about the tacit individuality with regards to Ryan Poles and his uh, inability to make certain situations and then bring on this anxiety. He's not the only person who said that. There's a guy that produces, um, I want to say his last name is Miller, he's a Capricorn, who early in the season who actually said and foreshadowed that exact same sediment. So I got to go with the consistency. I don't know what he was doing at the very end. I don't either. Um, I, I don't know what that was. He would. I kind of feel like he was trying to do. He was trying to get a little bit in there. Yeah, I think he's so trying too. to do something. I don't know. Hey, listen. You know what? Everybody has their own right to express themselves. And uh, you know, I'll say one thing. It was a pleasure, Team Gemini and Team Sagittarius, to talk to your producer, Jake the Gemini. He was very welcoming. 
He was very pleasant. He's such he a fine, young, you. nice man. As Mitchell, can fine, I ask you a question not, real quick? He was He's wholesome. Anyway, more importantly, he was welcoming. Yeah. He was very nice. So, very nice guy. Uh, Mitchell, let me ask you a question real quick. Why did the original uh, description of your call say Jerry Jones took money from the mafia? <laughs> I saw oh, that. Because I, was, I was sharing a story with Jake the Gemini that he go, he, when he first took my call, he goes, what do you think of Dallas Cowboys fans? And I said, well, it's a little layered because they have a sense of entitlement because they're from Texas. But Jerry Jones is a, Monaco, he's a Machiavellian. And what he did was <laughs> he got everybody – no one. He never spent one red cent to build that stadium in Arlington, Texas. And you know why? Because in 1967, what people don't know, in 1967, Jerry Jones is from Arkansas. He took out a six million dollar loan from the mafia, from Jerry Hop, from Jimmy Hoffa, okay, to build a pizza. Uh, uh, it wasn't pizza. It wasn't pizza. It was Shakey's Pizza. It was a franchise. And Jerry Jones' father said, "Look, these guys are not." some hoodlums on, you know, 12th Street. They have families in New York, Chicago, and I'm telling you right now, if you don't pay them, you're not going to be around. And Jerry goes, I got this. Or he said something of that, you know, of something of, you know, similar elk. What happened was Shaky Peas ended up, you know, lasting for decades and ended up going bankrupt like, like 50 years later or 40 years later or whatever. And he paid back every dime to his loan to the, to, to the mafia and the syndicate. And what Jerry learned was some valuable lessons about leveraging things, and that's how he was so creative about building the biggest stadium without using one of his – that one dime that he put forth. It was all – I mean, the way he did it. And this ties into my narrative about um, Kevin Warren. I'm not even talk about Justin Fields in this what I call red herring of a joke. Uh, Sunday is going to be a telling tale that we've seen the last three years. I'll leave it at that. I don't see a and happy that's the ending. Line. Thank you, Mitchell. But, but here's the thing. Oh, With regards no, no. to... All right. Yes. All right. That is the bottom line. And enjoy the <laughs> night. Have a good Mitchell, thank you. Happy New Year Welcome to you, back, my man. Mitchell. Uh, you. There you go. There's Mitchell in the spines. Off the van. Yeah. Until he gets banned again. I don't know what Alan on the Northwest side was doing. Alan, what were you doing at the end there? And when I met Paul Offenmacher, he... I don't. Right. I don't know what. I don't know what that is. I have no idea what that is. I think, Alan's, it, I think Alan's doing a bit. What, what is he doing? We're doing bits here. Stephen and Bourbon A, you're on ESPN 1000. Hello, Stephen. Hey guys, I used to love Shakey's Pizza too, but Mitchell. Hopefully, he's got a microwave in his mom's basement for that reheated Shakey's Pizza. You know, and Mitchell. Also, another thing I think most of us can agree on: everybody's coming back, buddy. Whether you like it or not, Justin Fields is a superstar. Um, it's, we're not sold on Eberflus or Gutsy, obviously. They're all coming back. Warren is the mastermind, and Poles hopefully can get it done come May. Let's let's go, guys. Let's go. Love the show. Thank, Thank you, you for Stephen. your time. Thank you. There he is, Stephen Bourbonnet. Appreciate it, Stephen. Can join the conversation at 312-332-3776, sponsored by Tito's Handmade Vodka. Uh, getting their money's worth this evening yeah. with the Friday night calls. All calls yeah. welcome, like Alan on the northwest side. Alan, what what are you doing there? And who is it? No- Kevin in Homewood. You're on ESPN 1000. Hello, Kevin. Hey, guys. <laughs> so, um, you know, listening to Waddle and Sylvie in the afternoon and uh, the uh, guy from uh, Madison that was the uh, broadcaster for the Packers up there. Mark Tauscher. Tauscher, yeah. Yeah, yeah, thanks. 
he had said that no doubt they're going to move the defensive coordinator mm-hmm. yeah. up. And I, I that caught my ear because they're one win away from the playoffs. He's been their coordinator, I think, for three seasons now. And they're improving, and that's not good enough for them to, to rest on their laurels and, and keep him on the, the staff, right? So they're ahead of us. Why wouldn't the Bears be looking to improve in the same way? We know that the weak link or one of the weak links of the Bears has been uh, the offensive coordinator's decision-making. And I, I feel like if in the big plan about like what you guys were talking about, maybe they keep fields and keep drafting and moving players and having like sure. this cycle the next few years of, of improving the players. If the fields thing doesn't work out, but they keep them this year and they get the right offensive coordinator in there, who can help the field next year if it doesn't work out, then you have enough draft picks to maybe get a quarterback next year and that you're not doing a full reset. And I, I, I would like to see the Bears do that kind of thing because it's opposite of what all of Chicago sports is doing. No one no other teams it seems like in Chicago are, you know, happy with continuing to improve. They get to a point like the Sox or the Bulls and they say, Oh, we we got what we got and they stop improving and then it slides backwards. So I just kind of wonder how you guys feel about the possibilities. If the Bears make an offensive coordinator change this offseason, does that make sense? Um, you know, it, it doesn't follow the correct order necessarily, you know, because usually you get the coach in, you make the coach changes, and then the coach chooses the coordinators. But, you know, if, if Everflu ever stays this year, but they move the coordinator, Jesse's out, does that make sense? Yeah, I think it it could. Uh, I think it depends. I really do believe that it hap- It depends on what happens on Sunday, right? Like, I think that if they put up a bunch of points, thanks for the call, Kevin, against yeah. the Packers, that they, that everyone's staying. I think if the offense struggles again and you see a bad game from Fields and they're making questionable calls and and he's not calling a good game plan again, then I think that they he he's probably out. I agree with what Kevin was saying. Getsy hasn't been good. And there have been games where the game plans have seemed flawed. Mm-hmm. I thought last year, I was higher on Getsy last year because I thought last year he tailored the offense around a quarterback that was struggling and he didn't really have a lot of help. So I thought that they would take a leap forward this season. We really haven't seen it. And in some situations, the play calling has been bad. With that said, they've gone from points per game Last season, 23rd in the NFL, 19 points per game, to 16th this season. Mm -hmm. Offensive points per game, 22 per game. Is that great? No, it puts middle of the pack, and it's an improvement. So has Getze been great? He has not been great. Uh, Would I change offensive coordinator? Maybe, but you're right. Maybe a lot has to do with how they play on Sunday. And if they're good on offense on Sunday, maybe Getze's back. I think that there is some credence to the fact that both the quarterback, the coordinator, and the head coach are all learning during the last two years, right? And I think that some of the bad calls that Getze has made, he stopped making them, right? Like, he made the bad call with Komet under center uh, for to do like a to try to pick up a fourth down. It didn't work. We haven't really seen it again, right? L- like, the Falcons game, the play calling was good. People still roast the Vikings game. But they won the Vikings game. Even though it was a thousand screen passes, 
The game plan worked. They went over the middle when they needed to to set up the field goal. They won that game. I don't care what you say. It's a W at the end of the day. I'm not bothered by the Vikings game as much as I'm bothered by the opener against Green Bay. Of course, of course. The decision-making with Komet under center on the fourth and short, that was so stupid. But you could have fired everybody after that game. Yeah, but those are stupid plays. Of course those plays are stupid. Of course it is. But that was 16 weeks ago, right? Now we're in the 17th game, and they've looked better. So I I think it does come down to tomorrow or to Sunday for Luke Getze, but I think if they win... And they end up go. They end up winning eight games. It's kind of tough to not bring everybody back. Jed in uh, Winneka, you're on ESPN 1000. What's up, Jed? Uh, yeah, yes, sir. Um, <clears throat> you kind of reset the clock with draft picks. Like we're all, we're all talking about resetting the clock with the quarterback. But if you trade that trade down and keep Fields, don't you get a, a bunch of young picks, a young, young talent, good talent for cheap? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you absolutely do. Yeah. And you set you yourself pile. Yeah, and you set yourself up to get pieces in 2025 and 2026 as well. Exactly. And 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 we know Justin Fields, we know his floor, we know his we don't know his ceiling yet. We know his floor. Don't you build around the guy? I mean, can you imagine Marvin Harrison Jr. and an offensive tackle? Can could you imagine that team? Yeah, I I That'd be think, good. Thanks for the call, Jed. I think it's tough to not take that into account. I've seen the argument made like this. We know the floor for Justin Fields play. Yeah. It's what we know. We don't know what the floor of hypothetical quarterback you draft, what that will be. Mm -hmm. Some quarterbacks who've been highly touted, who've been great college football players, get to the NFL and they suck. There have been quarterbacks who've been major busts in the NFL that had the pedigree, that were highly recruited into college, who won Heisman trophies, they get to the NFL, and they're no good. We don't know what the floor is for that quarterback, the quarterback that they may draft. So going into the future, would you rather have the floor that you know, but maybe Justin Fields' ceiling is not top five quarterbacks in the NFL, maybe it's top ten. Maybe on in Justin Fields' best season possible, Maybe it looks something like what Dak puts up. He gives you some touchdowns. He can run. He's, he's you know, if we had to list the quarterbacks, he's like 8, 9, 10, 11. Maybe that's it. Or would you rather go with a guy that you don't know what the floor is, but you hope he's generational, and you hope that he fixes the quarterback position forever in the future? Like, what, what's the better way to go about it? I, I would think the more conservative, smart way to handle it would be go with the floor that you know. And hope that you add pieces that allow Justin Fields to be the best player he can be and that you eventually thrive with that. I think people assume that just because you move forward with Justin next season that you're automatically signing him to some $400 million deal. And that's not the case. Yeah, no, it's not. You can build, you're right about that. You can trade down, stockpile first-round picks through 25 and 26, and still pick up the 50-year option. And then if it doesn't work in two years, you have the best roster, one of the best rosters all around in the NFL because you have a great defense. You have one of the best offensive lines. You've got DJ Moore. You've got another great wide receiver that people talk about the way they talk about T. Higgins. And now guess what? Okay, now we'll draft a quarterback. And you insert a rookie quarterback in two years. 
from now into that situation. It's not just Caleb Williams or Drake May for the entire future of this franchise. There are 100 other, 50, technically 52 other positions on this team, roster spots on this team that you yeah. need to look, whether you need to improve, whether you need to add depth, whatever you need to do. So I can't take that out of my mind. I can't take the fact that the Bear, I look at, you know, Tankathon and I see two picks for the Bears. And in 2025, I could see two picks. And in 2026, I could see two picks. Yeah. You know, like Stack that. It. Like you have to take that into account. And you don't get that if you just draft Caleb Williams. Black and Abdallah here on ESPN 1000. All calls welcome. Friday night calls sponsored by Tito's Handmade Vodka. Allen on the northwest side. You still there? Chris Farley met. Black and Abdallah on ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports. Friday night calls, all calls welcome, sponsored by Tito's Handmade Vodka. Tito's Handmade Vodka, distilled, bottled in Austin, Texas. 40% alcohol by volume, namely 80 proof, crafted to be savored responsibly. All calls welcome on a Friday night. It's time for our Tito's Cocktail of the Night. Tonight, it's Tito's Yuletide Mule. See, Abdal, here's the thing. People are still celebrating the holidays. There's holiday parties still going on. Yeah. Sometimes people move stuff. They're too busy. My before. tree is still up. Yeah, my, same here. My tree is also still up. So here you go. Unwrap our favorite mule and find your holiday twist made for the season. A hint of nutmeg, splash of orange. You'll be singing Yuletide carols all year long. Mm. Get your copper mug in hand. So here's what you have to do for the cocktail of the night. Have ice in the in the glass, two ounces of Tito's handmade vodka, three ounces of ginger beer, a half ounce of orange juice, a dash of nutmeg, and garnish with an orange slice. Boom. There you go. The Tito's Yuletide Mule. All right. And we have it here in the studio. That's delicious. Oh, that is good. I like the. I always. That's I, really good. I like ginger like a lot, mm-hmm. and so ginger and anything. That's delicious. Like drinks like this with the citrus of the orange and everything. It's great. This is deli- This is great. That's that's outstanding. So check it out. Tito's handmade vodka. They're the best, and they sponsor all calls. Welcome on a Friday night with Black and Dollar here on ESPN One Thousand. We go to Scott on ninety four. You're on ESPN One Thousand. What's up, Scott? Hey, I kind of agree with the Brad Biggs belief that uh, they don't need to make the playoffs next year for it to be a success. Um, and, and here's why. At the start of the season, every fan, everybody kind of pegged them at winning six games this year. That's doubling their win total. Mm-hmm. So we, we can all assume they overachieved this year. And, you know, as fans, we always hyperfixate on those losses that should have been wins, like the Lions. Yeah. But we rarely focus on those wins that probably should have been losses. And, I mean, heck, if we talk to coaches, they all say, you know, it's a handful of plays that, you know, decide a game. So the idea that maybe nine wins next year is a success probably or possibly might make sense just from a standpoint of did they improve on other categories. Like if Justin Fields has a 70% completion percentage, cuts down on turnovers, but they still lose like seven, eight games. That's still a success. Yeah. Scott, I, I could see it. Here, here's what I could see. If you get nine wins, but say the rest of the conference has a really good season and like the wildcard teams are 10-win teams, 
I could see them winning nine games and missing the playoffs and making your case. Mm-hmm. But if it was like this season where nine wins automatically gets you in as a wild card, then you got to make the playoffs. I, yeah. I think playoffs are the next step. I well, think that's where we have to go. Here's the quote. Thanks, Scott. Appreciate the phone call. Here's Thanks the, the quote. call, man. Uh, it's, it's the possibility that current power structure, Chairman George McCaskey, President and CEO Kevin Warren, and maybe most importantly, GM Ryan Poles, is comfortable enough with Eberflus at this point that the coach wouldn't enter 2024 on a win-now mandate, whether the Bears are rolling with fields or a rookie quarterback. And there's a quote from a league executive that says, if you're doing things properly, which has never been done there before, you have to commit to three years of the quarterback, coach, and GM. Otherwise, you're doing the exact same thing that has been done over and over and over where you change the quarterback and then a year or two later you change the coach or you change the coach and then you change the quarterback. There's been no continuity. So that's what this philosophy is around, that you give GM, coach, quarterback three years together and you see what they can do. Right now we're in year two of that. So next year would be year three, and if you have to pick up the fifth year option, which you would have to do by the end of the, by uh, right after the draft, you would you would enter in year four of that pairing. Should Matt Eberflus stick around? The idea is you need to stick with everyone together for three to four years. Otherwise, you're just repeating this process yeah. of, well, now this coach is going to pick a quarterback, and if it doesn't work, then you're firing Matt Eberflus, then you're bringing in a new coach, but you've got a rookie quarterback, so you're limiting your options because you have to find a coach to take the, to who's going to like the quarterback, and then maybe you fire the GM, and then the head coach. and the, it's, it's all this, the, what the Bears have been essentially doing for our entire lifetime. Well, if you go with a rookie quarterback next year, then you can't say you have to make the playoffs. Exactly. So, you know, that, that's where I, I think that the timeline and, and what we know the franchise wants to do, they want to win. Uh, they, I don't think they want to be in the situation they're in right now where the season was already over before the last week. They, I don't know. They thought that they were going to be competitive this year. Oh, I think so, too. But I The think- vibe at training camp was that they were going to surprise people and they were going to win games and that they, are, they were focused on trying to make the playoffs this year. But I think that if you told I don't think, them... I don't think Poles was sitting around hoping, like, you know, I get two more years of a rebuild before we actually have to win. I think if you woke up Ryan Poles today, if he'd been asleep during the entire season, and you woke him up today... Hibernating like a bear? Hibernating like a bear... And you said to him, hey, you have the first overall pick again. You could potentially have a top 10 pick. You didn't make the playoffs. But right now, you're a top 10 defense. And you have a chance to take keep your rival out of the playoffs and, and go into the offseason on a winning streak, being one of the most hyped teams next year because of the progress you made and the cap space and the draft capital that you have going into next year. I think he might be okay with it. You make it easy, though. You say... You bring everyone back. You don't make the playoffs. Well, we're we're firing everyone. That's fine too. That would give. That would be your mandate of giving it three years to yeah. kind of progress and, mm-hmm. and to figure it out. Sure. Yeah. We go to Ray and Evanston. You're on ESPN 1000. What's up, Ray? Hey, hey. Good evening, gentlemen. I love you guys. Long time listener. Thanks, man. Like, uh, super uh, happy I made it on the Friday evening show. I promise, no cussing coming from me. <laughs> <laughs> um, listen. Uh, I know, listen, this has got to be one of the hardest decisions for Ryan Poles to make, at least, you know, as far as whatever he does. I feel like he's going to get ridiculed either way. I know me. I think for me, I would probably lean to the quarterback reset because I don't know how I feel about giving Fields all the money. But 
me and my buddy talk about this all the time. Let me give you both a hypothetical. Just bear with me. And this only works if possibly Arizona doesn't have the second pick in the draft. What do you guys think about this? Bears trade out of one and they go to two because we know that they'll get quite, you know, the, you know, the draft picks for that pick. Sure. Then with two, they also trade back, but they don't trade back any further than, let's say, eight. So they get another haul of draft picks. So then with that pick, they pick a very prominent player. You may not get Marvin Harrison Jr., but you may get Neighbors, the, rece- the, the receiver from LSU, who's also a stud. Or you could get Brock Bowers, hypothetically. Mm-hmm. Then at their current number one pick, let's just say Ryan Poles is very high on the quarterback from Washington or one of the other quarterbacks, again, hypothetically, and he takes a quarterback there. So he gets a quarterback, not one of the top two guys, and he gets an impact player. Then he has fields. He could keep fields and see how he does as a quarterback on the bench. And then the next two years, for the heck of it, he has possibly three or three next year, and then the following year, two more first-round draft picks. If they don't pan out, he could still trade up in those drafts for the best quarterback in that draft. Again, that's just a hypothetical. But I just want to throw that out there, and, and you guys let me know what you guys think. You have a great weekend. I love the show, fellas. Thanks, Ray. Bye. Thanks for calling. I, I'd say this. Yeah, I think it's all on the table. And quite honestly, if Ryan Poles can figure out to maneuver and continue to collect assets and move back and still get good players, I would be all for that. I, I think that would really sup the franchise nicely for the future. Yeah, I, I, I like that, too. The only thing I don't like is I don't like drafting. I'm not drafting a quarterback in the first round if I'm keeping fields. Like, if that option is there, then I'm trading fields. After the, uh, I'm not picking up the fifth-year option, and I'm trading him. That'd be a part of collecting assets, though. But I think you Moving would. fields and getting would. other draft but picks you would, back. You yeah. would trade him before the draft because you want those picks now. Yes. You would trade him for a second-round pick this year or a third-round pick this year. Right, and you probably would not. You would have to 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 really uh, get in the middle of all of it and like figure it out perfectly. You would then have to wait to trade the number one pick until the draft to then make people believe that yeah. you're taking Caleb Williams. Absolutely, yeah. And then if you didn't want Caleb Williams, but you wanted uh, Daniels, or you wanted. Bo Nicks Nicks. or something like that, yeah. And you were able to make people believe, then you would be able to get them to move up for for Caleb Williams. You could move back but still get your quarterback. That's a dangerous proposition to kind of pull, though. Mm -hmm. Hoping that a guy is still available for you when you move back and you move out of number one. Because if he were to do that and then miss on the quarterback, I mean, he's not going to be here. Yeah. Like, like that's, that's the end of it for Ryan Poles if that were the case. Black M. Dahl here on ESPN 1000, the ESPN Chicago app. Can we um, get maybe like a bonus song of the night? Ooh, I maybe, like that. Uh, maybe uh, celebrate uh, with a helmet sticker to Virginia McCaskey. Yeah, Happy absolutely. Birthday. She turned 101 years old today. Mm-hmm. She was born January 5th, 1923. So, Abdallah, you went to the archives and you dusted off this hot jam uh, from 1923. Mm. Who is this? This is Isham Jones. Or Isham Jones, I'm not sure, I can't ask him. Uh, Isham Jones, the song is called It Had to Be You. From 1923. Uh, it was uh, one of the top songs in oh, 1923. Was it? Yes, it was. 
uh, along with Eddie Cantor's No No Nora. Oh, yes, I remember that one. Louis Armstrong's Dipper Mouth Blues. Oh, yes, sure. Ben Selvin's Yes, We Have No Bananas. What's the name of the song? Yes, We Have No Bananas. <laughs> I didn't know Bill Murray was this old, but Bill Murray and Ed Smalley had a song called The Old Gang of Mine. Sure they did. And coming in at number 15, W.C. Handy with St. Louis Blues. What, what was his name? W.C. Handy. W.C. Handy. With St. Louis Blues. I didn't know that this guy was this old. I knew he was older, but Jelly Roll had a hit back in the in 1923, too. <laughs> Jelly Roll Morton had a song called The Kansas City Stomp. Oh, yes, The Kansas City Stomp. I, I remember that one. Yeah, classic. So as Virginia McCaskey was yes. being birthed into this world, she was probably doing The Kansas City Stomp by yes. Jelly Roll Morton. And what was his name? C.J. Handy? W.C. Handy. W.C. Handy. These are the hot songs from 1923 as we give Virginia McCaskey a helmet sticker. Happy birthday, Virginia. 101 years old. Slap the helmet sticker right on there. Happy birthday. That's Man, fantastic. 101. 101. January 5th, 1923. This hot jam titled, It Had to Be You. Yes, we have no bananas. <laughs> Back when music was good. Yeah, this is when uh, music really moved. This is when music was simpler, none yeah. of that mumble rap. <laughs> Just take it in. No skeets. No little skies. No lils. I don't see any lils on here. No babies. No what, babies. What was it about the banana? Yes, we have no bananas. <laughs> we'll be back. This is Black and Abdallah on ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports. Thank you to Jake Cantu and Justin Pottinger for producing tonight's show of Black and Abdallah. We'll return on Sunday. We are on later on Sunday. It's 11 a.m. 11 to 1. We'll get you ready for Bears football Sunday, 11 to 1, right here on ESPN 1000. And after us, will be uh, Sylvie, Lance, Dion, the Bears Network pregame show. We'll kick off at 1 o'clock. And then Bears Packers at 325. Joniak and Thayer, you can hear the guys right here on ESPN 1000. We have a ton of calls. Yeah, we do. A ton of calls. We, we also do. have to get to good questions. Do, do you want to bump that. good question? Do you want to start the new year right? How do you want to handle this? I don't. I, I, it's up to you. It's I your think adventure. we should talk to the people. Okay. All right. Do, do we have many good questions we from today? We have two good questions. Okay. So we, we could push it to next we week then push if it we to next to. week. Sylvie got one. Waddle got one. Spoiler alert. Oh, well. Okay. Well, now, now we don't have to do it. Well, I'm just you telling told you. told us. Well, we'll listen to him next week. All right. Great. Uh, Samuel Naperville, you got to go fast. We're at the end of the show. What's up, Samuel? Yeah, well, definitely. Thank you guys for taking my call. I just think that Chicago is a place where the quarterback come to die. Uh, if you are a father of uh, a son in the NFL trying to get into the NFL from college, I would advise not coming to Chicago. But uh, I would like to keep Justin Field uh, because the question that I would like to ask is, uh, is it worth it to uh, take a quarterback considering the assets that you are going to get back? Uh, from trading down uh, on that uh, number one pick. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Thanks, Sam. Appreciate, appreciate it. it. Yeah. Chicago, where quarterbacks go to die. I mean, 
I don't. I think Trubisky might have already been dead. Ken in Minnesota, listening on the ESPN Chicago app. What's up, Ken? Fellas, fellas. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Look, uh, I, I got a couple of capacity. I want to bring up Trevor Lawrence, and I want to bring up Justin Fields. What do you mean? Both going the first round. They've both been one and two ever since high school. Right? The difference is Trevor Lawrence go one. He get to start his first season, while Justin Fields get to play musical chairs with Nagy. Second season, uh, Trevor Lawrence get a build. He started getting his players in line. Justin Fields get a tear down, and we're looking at a potential star in a rough, right? Then in the third season, here we are, Trevor Lawrence is facing playoffs, and Justin Fields is still in his, well, where Trevor Lawrence would be in his team at this point next last year. Now, here's the thing. If you look at their stats, they're almost identical. Why? Because Trevor Lawrence isn't that much better than Justin Fields this season, or Justin Fields is just as good as Trevor Lawrence. I'm willing to believe the latter. If Justin Fields had the team that uh, 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 Trevor Lawrence have at this point, sure. we'll be much further along. Now, if I can say this thing here. We're running we'll our pose. show. We're running our show, Ken. Make the point. Okay. Poles can't miss on the trenches. That's my point, nice. and that's where I'm at. There you go. Thanks, bros. Good call, Ken. Appreciate you. Quickly, Jeff and Burbank, you got to go fast. Go ahead, Jeff. Okay, I'll go fast. Uh, I've been watching football 45 years. The Bears have had one good quarterback before field. That's Eric Kramer. Had one good year, 30-some touchdowns. Uh, we basically uh, say that what's-his-name's the number one receiver. He's not. His most touchdowns is seven. I would consider that a number two or number three receiver. Uh, you got to get double digits to be a good receiver, a 1A-plus receiver. So I would take uh, I would take uh, Marvin Harrison with one. And if we get 10, 11, 12, I would take uh, Dallas Turner or the – Kool-Aid McKistry because he's got a cool name and he's a cornerback and that Johnson wants to leave anyway so he'll be gone. So I just think the Bears don't... And who's the best running back and quarterback on this team is Fields. I believe he ran for a thousand yards. We gotta go, Jeff. We gotta go. Thank you for the phone call. There he is. There's Jeff in Burbank. Thank you for the phone call. Randy in Seattle, we don't have time for you. Uh, Alan, Northwest Side, last word. You're listening to Black and Abdallah. ESPN Chicago. Eberflus.